1: Everybody's talking to men and women differently about money. Telling men to think big. telling women to be careful about spending money and give them guilt trips about how they spend money. And I realize everybody's doing it.
2: We well,
3: pushed around. Hello and welcome to It's Complicated, complicated the... with Tanya Goodin the podcast that helps you untangle your relationship with your phone.
2: Found, we've all been pushed around.
3: This is a podcast about learning to live healthily and happily with technology and the digital world, and about understanding why sometimes that's so hard to do. Because in learning how to step away from our phones more, we're actually learning how to focus more on our relationships our work and our health, leaving us happier, healthier and with hours more time in our day. I'm your host, Tanya Gooden, author and founder of Digital Wellbeing Movement, Time to Log Off. Each week, I'll be asking a new guest what they've learnt about themselves from the relationship they have with the tiny tyrant in their pocket, their smartphone. Welcome back to It's Complicated and this week we're going to be talking about money, money and technology and I have on the podcast this week the woman who set up a bank, Anne Bowden who is the founder and CEO of Starling Bank. Starling is a digital only bank in the UK and Starling's actually won best British bank at the British Bank Awards for the past three years and it's also just topped the recommended current account league table in which magazine for the second year in a row. So hugely successful, but it is a bank that Anne decided to set up herself, I think six or seven years ago. So we talk in the episode today about her story, about why she suddenly decided that banking was broken and why marrying banking and technology, new technology was something she felt passionately about in order to make the management of money an easier and even a more enjoyable experience for customers. So we talk about her journey, her highs and her lows. She's actually just written a book about the whole experience, which is really a roller coaster of an experience from getting from that moment when she thought, I think what country needs is a new bank to where she is now. So we talk about that. We also talk about one of the campaigns that Starling have always been involved with, Make Money Equal, which looks at not just the gender pay gap, but the different ways in which men and women are spoken to and marketed to about money. And we talk a bit about Anne's plans for the future for Starling, new features, new innovation, and how she is using tech to make money a lot less complicated. She is a really inspiring woman to talk to, I have to say. There aren't many people that get up one day and decide, I'm going to set up an entirely new bank and then take on the might of the established banking world and technology world and pull that off. So if you want a really inspiring and entertaining listen and you want to hear all about the moment a billionaire flew Anne out to the Bahamas to sit on his yacht while he discussed whether he was going to invest in her bank, this is the episode for you. I really hope you enjoy it. So Anne, it's so lovely to have you on the podcast. And lovely to see you again. It's been a long time. (laughs) It has been a long time. So I think, you know, it's complicated. It's about our complicated relationship with tech. And it has always struck me that one of the huge positives of technology, one of the real benefits is that it uh, has the potential to enable us to be able to manage our money better. And there aren't many people that I could get on this podcast who have actually set up their own bank as a result of realising that, realising that the marriage of money and technology would be such a positive thing. You've written a book about it, Banking on It, How I Disrupted an Industry it is a real blockbuster. It's been described, I've been reading some of the reviews, as a banking blockbuster. I wanted to start by asking you, who is going to play you in the film, Anne?
1: <laughs> uh, well, everybody suggests Olivia Coleman. Yes!
3: But, um... <laughs> that's who I thought of. That's so funny. That's exactly who I thought of. Yeah, We'll have to see if she's available. <laughs> well, she's just finished The Crown, hasn't she? She's not in yes. the next series, so mm. could be perfect. So you said yourself in the book, there aren't that many women at the top in finance and there's hardly any women in tech either. I've done a couple of podcast episodes on that. So how did a 50 something woman come to set up a bank in a world where, you know, most of these tech startups are run by bearded, goatee bearded guys in Hoxton or Shoreditch? What made you think, do you know what? I'm going to set up a bank.
1: Well, I'm a technologist, a computer scientist by background, and I'd spent 30-odd years in the industry, in technology and banking, working in some of the big banks around the world. And in 2013, I came to the conclusion that wouldn't it be wonderful if all the new technology that's going on in the world could be used in banking? But the banks were too focused on looking backwards rather than forward. They were too involved in their day-to-day problems, to see how technology could help people with their money. So I started dreaming about what if somebody started a new bank? And at the same time, I was thinking about what am I going to do in a few years' time? You know, how am I going to go into my next role? And I never thought it would be me that started in the bank. But one day, I came to the conclusion that I was going to do it. Because no one
3: else and, was doing it. <laughs>
1: yes, yes. <laughs> and, and and I was afraid of you know making a fool of myself, you know, failing. But then I concluded that it was such an audacious plan, it was such a big plan that never had never been done before that if I failed, it it wouldn't be a real failure at all. And I took the decision to have a go.
3: So was there one moment? Was there kind of an uh, aha moment where you just thought, "That's it." I've really got to do this. Or was it a kind of cumulative of just thinking it's not working, banking isn't working?
1: I think I'd concluded that somebody had to start a new bank. And I'd concluded that probably in a few years' time I'd like to do something entrepreneurial. Mm -hmm. And then one morning I got up and said, well, I think that's going to be me. So the actual decision was quite sudden, but the two thoughts had been going around separately in my head.
3: So it is the story of how you pulled it off is, I mean, it is quite incredible actually. It's got so many kind of ups and downs. It was a real roller coaster experience, wasn't it, to get from that moment to where you are now with this hugely successful mobile only bank. What was the rock bottom moment though in that journey between that moment when you thought, okay, I can do this and where you are now? Where, where did. Where did you start to think, or was there a moment where you thought, actually, I'm not sure this is going to work?
1: I always thought it would work. There were times where I thought it would work, but I wouldn't be around to see it. I worked for a whole year, putting the proposition together, almost raising funding, and then almost overnight losing it all. And I had to start from scratch. I had to start again. And in those days, things were pretty bleak. You know, did I have the energy? Did I have the resourcefulness? Did I have the resilience to start again? Yeah. And, and that was a low point. But there's so many high points and so many <laughs> exciting things that that have happened to me in the last six years. It's um, it's been a real roller
3: coaster. So how did you lose all your funding and have to start again though? What was that? What happened? That, was that, that wasn't to do with the financial crisis, was it? Because we're, we're talking after that point.
1: Yes. I, I basically had a team member who decided to quit. And when he decided to quit, it meant my funding let, got went and he raised funding and took the team with him. And that meant that I had a rival in the market and all of a sudden I had no team a lot of people that were depending on me to pull this off and i had to start again
3: and did you ever doubt your ability to do that did you ever have you know that moment of thinking this is just too much because it's a bit it's a huge blow what happened to you isn't it
1: it was a huge blow and it's a very public blow you know it's not very nice sort of i remember actually driving home from the city and driving up the m40 and and pulling off actually in order to buy some food on the way home. And I looked at my phone, and the story was all over the Financial Times. Gosh. Uh, and that was hugely damning. It was quite difficult to recover from. It was very, very visible. And I couldn't defend myself. And that was the low point. But I don't think I lost confidence in myself. I realised that The entrepreneurial world is extremely tough Mm. and I'd have to fight back. But that's the low point. There are many, many sort of (laughs) much more exciting things that happened in the story.
3: So let's talk about some of the high points then. What was the kind of, you know, I mean, there have been so many high points. I know I was just looking today actually at all the awards you've won that are coming thick and fast for Starling in the last couple of years. But if you had to pick out a couple of points, what was... Yeah, Tell me a couple I think, of moments where you thought, actually, you know, I've, I've pulled this off. I've done this.
1: Well, I think the first, you know, the, the I had to start again. Yeah. And it took me a year, another year to raise money. And I was very, well, a billionaire in the Bahamas that was very, oh, yeah. very interested a good in.
3: stories. story,
1: isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I was very interested in tech and new banking. Read about what was going on in Europe and tried to get in contact with me to fund me. And I didn't, you know, I didn't return his calls. I'd never heard of him.
3: So you didn't and, return his calls. I missed that bit. What, uh, yeah, because you yeah. thought it was, it was a, a joke, did you? Or you didn't well, talk Well, you I was with. very,
1: very busy talking to people about fundraising. I didn't notice that somebody was trying to call me, talk to me about fundraising. <sighs> um, and so eventually I flew to the Bahamas, uh, met a very, very intelligent, very diligent Austrian billionaire who grilled me about the business for four days.
3: On his Um, yacht. On his yacht. Yes. (laughs) On his yacht in the evenings. We were in his office during the day.
1: But on the fourth day, he offered me forty eight million for sixty six percent of his of my company. Mm. And we clicked champagne glasses and all of a sudden I had an investor.
3: Wow. And you were doing all this on your own. I mean when you flew to the Bahamas it was just just you and him. Yes. About, and, yeah. his,
1: and his army of, um, and his entourage. <laughs> <laughs> but I didn't have an entourage.
3: <laughs> no. <laughs> but you, you said quite early on in the book that, you know, your face didn't fit the kind of typical startup, tech startup. Did you? You didn't, presumably, that wasn't an issue with the billionaire investor in the Bahamas. But, you know, were there other moments where you thought, actually the reason I'm not being you know, invested in or the reason I'm not being taken seriously is because I don't look like these goatee-bearded hipsters. I think that when it gets down to detail,
1: really understanding the business, understanding how business models work and how you become a profitable business whilst giving customers what they really want, it takes a lot of knowledge and a lot of study and a lot of diligence And I think women are very, very good at that. Mm. So when you remove it from being a social thing of turning up in a VC's office and playing ping pong with them, (laughs) to actually sitting down with some real hard numbers and some technology plans and something very grounded, that's when women really, really perform. So once you go from something which is a social interaction, where people like being with people that are just like themselves to be something that's well-grounded, that's detailed, that's analytical. That's when women are really, really good. And that's what happened. Somebody allowed me to explain the plan and went into an incredible amount of detail Mm. and very diligent analysis and made the decision to back me. And here we are, you know, sort of six years later, we've got... 1.8 1.8 million customers. We've got 4 billion of deposits, 1.5 billion of lending, and we have 250,000 business customers. Gosh. The business is thriving, and we are the first of the, of the new banks to become monthly profitable. So it's a, it's, a, it's, it's a story of the ups and downs and then getting a business um, that is that is viable and thriving that has so many customers that believing us mm-hmm. and it's a uh, yes it's quite a story uh, there's lots and lots of ups and downs and people have described it as being a memoir a business book because the book is all about content it's all about what I did and some of the lessons I learned about starting a business and some of the tips I'm passing on to to other entrepreneurs. Uh, But what I like most of all is somebody's actually called it a thriller, uh, which I'm
3: quite flattered. I was going to use exactly that word. (laughs) That it is, it is a thriller because I mean, you know, from the kind of, you know, the villain of the piece, your partner who you know left you and took the staff to the billionaire in the Bahamas. You know, it's 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 a bit reads a bit like a heist. You know, one of those (laughs) sort of Michael Caine type stories. (laughs)
2: and now a message from our sponsor the time to log off academy as karen carpenter almost said logging off is hard to do particularly during a pandemic before we know it our screens become our masters rather than our servants and we find ourselves mindlessly scrolling through our phones obsessively chasing likes on social media or endlessly checking our work email on the weekends if any of this sounds familiar some digital healing may be in order The experts at the Time to Log Off Academy can help you see which areas of your life are suffering due to screen dependency. They'll guide you through workable solutions so you can build a healthier, happier relationship with your screens and spend more time with pets, people and Mother Nature. The Academy's convenient online courses are available now, and fans of It's Complicated can save with a strictly limited pandemic offer. To get 25% off your digital well-being course, visit academy.itstimetologoff.com today and use the code NOW25 while this offer lasts.
3: I should out myself completely here and say I am one of your 1.9 million customers and also a business customer. Um, oh, thank you. Because Anne and I know this, but the listeners won't know this. I actually did some work for you, Anne, in the you know early days, about four years ago, when I was still running my digital business, and you gave me a beta account. I think everybody who was working got a, a beta, and yes. I just got so sucked into how brilliantly the app worked and I think like all your customers I've become a bit evangelical about Starling and actually the the impetus to get you on the podcast was because I was having a chat with a student who said oh of course because i bike with Starling one of the great things is I can see when my maintenance load is about to hit my account I can see in the app you know that it's coming in the next day and I was thinking there are so many incredible features
1: one size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at
3: uh1.com.
0: My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, tap to pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With tap to pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com tapiphone tap iPhone.
4: Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Geeky Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm, HelloFresh
3: They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. How are you using, for people who don't know Starling at all, how are you using tech to really change the way we think about and manage our money?
1: Well, the first thing is that we decided to build our tech from scratch. Uh, The majority of banks are based on technology that's been around 25 years or or more. So we use the tech that's the, you know, the very, very latest tech that comes out of Silicon Valley. And we harden it for a banking environment so it's super secure. And then we constantly improve it and iterate it. Mm. So we do lots of changes in response to customers telling us what works and what doesn't work, I yeah. mean, you're do always that.
3: asking customers, aren't you? I always yes. get things saying, you know, what feature do you want, or you know, what would you like to change?
1: Yeah. So sometimes we we change things ten times a day, where we make it a little bit better. We listen to what people are saying. We we understand what they what they're finding difficult or what they'd like more of, and we keep iterating. And above all of that, we have a current account, um, which is totally free. We don't charge any hidden fees. Um, And you can also have lots and lots of interesting add-on features. We have current accounts for individuals, joint accounts, euro accounts, US dollar accounts, business accounts for sole traders. And at the moment, we're the fastest growing business bank in, in Europe. Wow. What what do you think is the most innovative feature? Something I'm very, very proud of is when the lockdown came, really listened to what our customers wanted. And many people were saying that people self-isolated at home wanted to be able to have a way of sending people shopping for them with a card, but in a safe way. And we launched the Connected card. And yeah. it was such a success that NHS volunteers recommended it as a product to give to people that are helping you shop. And that I'm proud of because it was something that the nation needed yeah. and we launched it in 10 days and it solved a real problem for people. It is our part in, in, in addressing some of the horrible things that have been going on the last few months. I'll
3: tell you what my favourite feature is, Anne. Whenever anyone says to me, why should I switch to Starling? I say, photographing cheques to pay them in. I know. Isn't that I, wonderful? <laughs> I just think that's the best feature. And when I tell people, they say, well, how, how does that work? It's absolutely
1: fantastic. And we use machine learning and artificial intelligence to help us interpret the, the check. So you don't have to be a fantastic photographer to make it all work. So we're very, very proud of coming up with things that are, that are solving real issues.
3: Yeah, and that was a really useful feature in lockdown, actually, not having to, you know, get out and post a letter or go to, you know, go to a branch. So one of the campaigns I've always really loved about Starling um, is your Make Money Equal campaign, which highlights the fact that financial inequality isn't just about the gender pay gap. Mm-hmm. Tell me about that campaign and why it's important to you. Are you? I mean, I, I just want to say at this, point, are you the only CEO of a bank that's a woman? I feel like you are. No, so no,
1: we've got a not... couple more now. We've okay. got um, uh, Debbie at TSB and we've got Alison at RBS. I think I'm the. I, I think I'm the first person to found a bank. To find, yeah. <laughs> so um, is that know, why?
3: So... Is that why it was important to you? The campaign, kind of looking at inequalities with.
1: Yes, and it actually started. I was. I was in the hairdressers, to be honest, and there was a huge pile of magazines for men and women. And I'm always looking for what the media says, what magazines say about money. So I quickly looked through um, a couple of copies just to see what they were saying about money management. And then I did the same for the men's magazines. And then I realised everything in the women's magazine was all about thrift, and saving and don't spend that money on the latte and save up for the pair of shoes. And everything in the men's magazines was all about investing in cryptocurrencies for, mm-hmm. um, and power dressing. And I thought there's something going on here. And I, we commissioned a research team to look at 300 magazines and analyze what they were saying to men and women. And they were telling men to think big, think about investing in themselves as investing in the future and not to be guilty of it. Invest in that power suit, invest in that suit and you will, you know, you'll get that job. And they were telling women to be careful about spending money and to Mm. think small and to think of money as something and give them guilt trips about how they spend money. And I realised... Everybody's doing it. Everybody's talking to men and women differently about money, and it's not just about the gender pay gap. Make money equal. Hashtag Make money equal. It's about giving women the confidence and to talk about money equally, and to mark, and to demand, you know, better from the financial services industry, and above all, trying to get the media to treat men and women equally in articles about money so it's it's our small bit to solving this huge inequality in the world between men and women
3: i noticed actually in the very latest piece of research that you've been involved with looking at the impact of covid there was a specifically kind of gendered finding which was you were looking at the issue around uh, particularly freelancers and the self employed and how they've really struggled and you found that women were more likely than men to have encountered problems being paid late. 67% of women versus 52% of men said they'd been paid late. I was really shocked by that. Why do you think that is? Why do you think women are getting paid later? I think
1: it's a situation where somehow paying women, both in terms of salary and in terms of invoices due, seems to be an optional thing. And when it comes to men, it's something they have the right to. And I think this is quite deeply ingrained. And we've got to try and, you know, and I'm calling all leaders um, to try and call this out. It's in lots and lots of different ways. We need to dig into this.
3: I wonder if it's still a kind of hangover from that feeling that women don't need to be paid enough or on time because they're not the main breadwinner. (laughs)
1: Yeah, it could be. Yeah. And it's 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 very, very important that we start we start calling these things out.
3: Yeah. So what have you got up your sleeve for Starling for the Future, Anne?
1: Well, we you know, we're at the start of a journey. We've done so much to get to where we are today. We're profitable now. So we now need to, you know, work on those features, get more and more features out, make it easier for people to run their businesses so we have products already for small businesses where they can link into HMRC and do their VAT returns. But it's lots of products to help customers run their businesses better, as yeah. well as a series of products for, uh, for consumers so that they run their family life better with, so they can share financial, financial goals and financial targets. So it's all about making those facilities richer, I'm so, so thrilled every time I get an email from somebody or a contact from somebody saying that we've made their financial life a bit easier. But we have people from all walks of life using Starling. And I'm really, really excited that we are. We're now taking huge market share from the big banks. In the last quarter, more people switched to Starling than to any other banks, bank in the UK more wow. people switched to Starling than people switched to Barclays or Lloyds or HSBC.
3: If you saw what was going on on Twitter around the time when the pandemic hit and how everyone was complaining about other banks, I mean, you probably did see it because you're on Twitter. <laughs> but, you know, I was really struck by that as a Starling customer. Sorry, I should just make it really clear to all podcast listeners. There is no, no money is changing hands as a result of this episode. I'm just genuinely a fan. But, you know, everyone, all the Starling customers were saying how fantastically Starling behaved, you know, when they were all really feeling the squeeze and when they, when they were, you know, processing the business bounce back loans. Actually, I noticed a lot of that. Mm. And then real problems with the other banks. So yes, I'm not we, surprised we, you mm. had so many people switching.
1: So we had a situation where lots of small businesses are really suffering, and we we managed to launch bounce back loans, and we've made over one point one billions worth of bounce back loans up to fifty thousand pounds to small businesses. Yeah, and so we're really doing our bit, and that's our money. You know, that's that's not government money. That's our money that we're lending to small business. It has a government guarantee, but it's our money we're lending to small businesses to get them through this very difficult period mm. and we're open for business you know we are still opening accounts we'll you know yesterday we opened 900 new business accounts Gosh, um, 900
3: in a day. yeah wow.
1: yeah so we have you know we're open for business and we really really we're feeling for those businesses out there at the moment uh, but that's that's our role in life we are there in the, in the in the good times and
3: the bad times and very very excited for the future So how has the pandemic, how has 2020 changed, Starling, and changed your plans? And how do you think it will change banking? It's quite interesting, isn't it, to see the kind of negative press a lot of the banks have had around this time. Do you see the pandemic will have a bit of a silver lining for Starling? I think
1: that the drive towards digital, the move towards digital, has accelerated perhaps even 20 years Things that were happening slowly that moved to digital has all of a sudden been given a big kick into the future. And people are doing things in a digital way. People don't have to want to go into a branch to do things. We are totally digital. You can do it on your on your phone or on your on your laptop, and we don't require you to visit anyone. So it's very efficient. It works remotely where you are and we are very, very equipped to work in this very decentralized way. So we were built for this. And because of the crisis, the big banks are really suffering, and we have been open. And it has really, really benefited our business because people have tried us,
4: yeah.
1: and love us, and are telling their friends. Yeah, so, and do you still enjoy it?
4: oh I do (laughs)
1: yeah (laughs) I am terribly privileged you know I've I've been able to deliver my dream I worked for other people's banks for 30 odd years doing things that were okay but not wonderful and I had the opportunity to start again start again from scratch and bring the best technology the best vision and the wonderful thing about Starling is we attract great people. People mm. join us because they like the vision, the mission, and we're doing the right thing. And I'm ever so fortunate to be in this position. Not many people get the chance I got, and I'm enjoying every minute of it. Oh, well,
3: it's a lot of hard work as well, isn't it? <laughs> it's, it's not just a party party. And you can really feel that when you read the book. I, I think, you know, 99% of people would have given up, Anne. So it's your (laughs) determination, which is obvious to anyone who meets you, that's got Starling to where it is. I end the podcast with three questions, the same three questions for all guests. So I just want to ask you... What's the one thing you'd like to say to everyone listening about their tech habits?
1: Enjoy it. I love technology. I find technology makes me more efficient. I enjoy it. Well, I was trying out Twitter Fleet last night or Fleets last night. Oh gosh! Night. I, I, love, that well. I love that. I love. I love all these things. I'm a real <laughs> addict. But you have to enjoy it. Yeah. You should do things you enjoy, and I enjoy it.
3: And have you got a tip? Now, I'm I'm asking this very nervously, Anne, because I'm asking you, have you got a tip about getting a good balance around digital and offline? And you have famously said you have zero work-life balance. You're (laughs) all about work. But you did say, I think in the book, that there was one holiday where you deliberately chose to go on a cruise to stop yourself from checking out bank branches, other banks' branches in South Africa. So I thought, okay, that's a bit of a inkling that maybe sometimes you think actually I need to switch off so
1: is that anything you do well you know the the problem with that cruise was I'm at the end of the journey I'd used so much wi-fi I had to go to the I had to go to the person and say I think there's something wrong with the system it can't cost that much Um, (laughs) I I I think that the important thing is that you should only do something you love yeah, if you're not enjoying it and you're not loving it, find yourself another job. Life's too short. Yeah. Um, I think it's not work-life balance; it's life balance. You've got to find the right thing for you, and don't feel if you if it's going to be difficult and it's that that painful, you need to find something different.
3: Yeah, there's that famous quote, and I'm going to forget who said it about you know if it feels like work. You know, don't do it. It shouldn't feel like work, should it? You should do something you love. Uh, And what do you think you've learned about yourself from your relationship with technology over the years? Because it's been a real journey, hasn't it? I think it's important for
1: everybody to to take a fresh look. You know, I, I remember, you know, going to the States in sort of 2001, 2002, and spending most of my time trying to get my laptop working through a modem and getting all the security (laughs) devices to work. And most of the actual business trip was spent trying to get the devices to work. And every six months, technology gets easier and easier and easier. And for those people who have decided that technology is not for them, have have another go. Have another look because
3: yeah, it's six changed. months later, it's easier. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Everything, we get customers um, of all sorts, and customers in their 90s were using a banking app for the first time and loving it because it gives them control. Think of what's happened in this crisis where people of all ages have started using FaceTime and started using video conferencing.
3: Yeah,
1: uh, Just re engage. Yeah, forget about the last time it didn't work for you and try
3: again because the world could have changed. And I'm really struck that you said a few minutes earlier that you're, you know, talking about the speed of change, that you're sometimes making 10 changes a day to the app. I mean, you know, that is even from the beginning of the day to the end, (laughs) your experience could be completely different, couldn't it? thanks so much Anne it's been absolutely brilliant I am determined that your book will be made into a film and I'm really really looking forward to seeing Olivia Colbert it's fascinating that everybody said the same name when I was thinking about it I thought I could just see her doing this so I'm sure Hollywood is going to be beating a path to your door uh, very shortly But I hope I hope the book goes really well. Um, Banking on it, how I disrupted an industry by Anne Bowden was only out two weeks ago, wasn't it? That's correct. Yes, yes,
1: and doing really, really well. Already a bestseller. bestseller. Yeah, it is.
3: Yeah. (laughs) Um, So thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure chatting to you.
1: Thank you very much for inviting me. I've really enjoyed it. Thank you very much.
3: Thank you for listening to this episode of It's Complicated. If you haven't already, please do subscribe, rate and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts from. It helps other people find us and it means you get a helpful little notification when a new episode becomes available. For more about getting a healthy balance with tech, you can follow me, Tanya Goodin, or Time to Log Off on Instagram and Twitter. And both my books, Off and Stop Staring at Screens, are available on Amazon and at all good bookshops. Finally, for more information about this and other episodes in the podcast series, visit itstimetologoff.com.
0: My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along –